Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You don't forget the day when a man like Kobe Bryant dies. Where you were when you heard, what you felt when you realized it was true, what you thought about when you thought about him. Do what Kobe did on a basketball court and you touch people. You shoot hoops and you walk away, but the film keeps playing. You dunk the ball and the backboard shakes, and the vibrations keep traveling. Maybe it's the moves, maybe it's the attitude, the records he breaks, the company he keeps. You play for the Los Angeles Lakers, and it's film stars and hip-hop stars on your arm and in your ear. Maybe it's the scandals, You can do what you want when you're a sports star. At least, that's what some think. That's how it can feel. Maybe it's not the basketball, but the second act. The four kids, the wife, what he does for them, where he's going next, winning Oscars, writing stories. That Sunday, that morning in January 2020, That's the day it all comes together. This is Death of a Sports Star, a new series from Crowd Network. We're going to talk about the heroes who touched us but left us too soon. The ones who could do things we couldn't, who had us jumping around and hugging our mates and wishing we were them. We'll talk about why we cared about them, what their lives meant and what their sudden passing did to us. Because when Kobe's helicopter crashes into a hillside in Los Angeles and the news breaks, the film plays and the vibrations travel into your life, into those close to him. The coach, the rival, the hero, his fans, his family. And here's something else. All those people around you, each one brings out a different part of your character, don't they? They show us what someone is really like, who they are, what they meant, what makes them special. Because there's something Colby used to do when he was watching basketball games, old games on his laptop, games he'd won, games they'd lost. His teammates, the coaches, they'd spot the obvious stuff, the mistakes, who's messed up, who's in the wrong place at the wrong time. Colby's different. Colby doesn't notice what's there. He notices what's missing. 
When Kobe watches, it's not what happened, it's what should have happened. And so this is the last play of Kobe Bryant. Not what you remember, but what you missed. Not what you've seen, but what you didn't. It's those people around him and how they reflect the real Kobe. What they can't forget on that last day. And so we talk about Kobe and we've got to talk about Phil Jackson, the coach, the brains. It's a gossip website that first sends out a tweet about the helicopter crash just after half 11 that Sunday morning. And Jackson hears from his friends, from the reporters calling him and texting him and sending emails. Here's the thing about Phil. Most people think he's a genius. Used to be a player, still got the height and the broad shoulders, even though he's grey now, even though he wears glasses. There's all the titles he's won. What he did with the Chicago Bulls, with Michael Jordan, maybe the greatest player of them all. We'll talk about Jordan too. We have to. But it's not just the titles with Phil Jackson. Although him and Kobe, they win five together at the Lakers. It's what else he is, because Phil Jackson is different. He's into psychology. Says he smoked weed and took acid when he was a kid. Loves the Grateful Dead, a proper out there band. Jackson coaches his players, but he also talks to them about Buddhism, about Native American ideas, the big stuff. Here's what the tweet says. Breaking. That's in capital letters. Then this. Kobe Bryant has died in a helicopter crash. Phil Jackson thinks about the family first. The texts coming through say Kobe's daughter Gianna is on board too. So Jackson thinks about Kobe's wife, Vanessa, about the other three girls, Natalia, Bianca and Capri. Then he thinks about the man. Kobe's a kid when he first knew him. A weirdo. There's stuff Jackson knows about how Kobe realises at six years old that he's not as good on his left hand as his right. What does he do? Starts brushing his teeth with his left hand. Tries writing his name with his left hand. Weird. And sort of obsessive. There's something Kobe said to Jackson once. You can't achieve greatness by walking in a straight line. Kobe always does what Kobe wants. So Jackson remembers the rouse too. How he once told a reporter, quite often, I could feel his hatred. For some coaches, that's the end. You don't like what I do? You leave. I choose the tactics, not you. For Jackson, it's a puzzle. He has a tradition on the first long road trip of each season. He gives each of his players a book. He gives Colby that Malcolm Gladwell one. Blink. The one about intuition. About trusting your snap judgments. 
In his empty office this Sunday, next to that book, are others that he's talked to Jackson about. One by J.R.R. Tolkien, the Lord of the Rings guy. One by Marcus Aurelius, Roman emperor, philosopher. On the walls of the office are portraits. Steve Jobs, Michael Jackson, J.K. Rowling. Here's something else. After the Lakers lose to the Boston Celtics in the 2008 NBA Finals, Kobe phones up John Williams, the composer, the one who wrote the theme for Jaws, for E.T., for Star Wars. Why? Because he wants to know about crescendos. He wants to know about big climaxes. An NBA game is just a 48-minute story. That's how Kobe sees it. So how do you drag everyone with you to the end? And that's what Phil Jackson remembers this quiet morning. What brought him and Kobe together. The big stuff, the weird stuff, being out there. Phil doesn't coach a player for a season. He coaches him for a lifetime. So now he sits there and he writes an email to send to all those reporters. Kobe was a chosen one. Our relationship as coach and player transcended the norm. He went beyond the veil. That's the coach. This is the teammate, the old rival. You don't miss Shaquille O'Neal, over seven feet tall, built. Hands so big, you put yours on his and you feel like a child. Shaq is in Florida, warm, content. He was a Lakers man with Kobe for a long time, almost eight years. His son Sharif's in the house too, 20 years old. Sharif can play, doing well at college, not as big as his dad, but with skills. And with Kobe as a sort of ultimate mate with benefits, a guru, an unofficial godfather. Kobe's dropped him a message on Instagram that morning. He says, you good fam? Sharif replies, yeah, just been getting this work in, trying to figure out my next move. How you been? He doesn't hear back, but that's okay because that work he talks about is in the gym with his dad. So there's Shaq and Sharif and Shaq's nephew, Columbus, all working out this Sunday morning. And then another nephew comes in and he's crying. He's showing Shaq his phone, the tweet about the helicopter crash. Jack shouts. He tells him to get the phone out of his face. Here's what he thinks. You can Photoshop anything. Anything can be hoaxed. He thinks that because he doesn't want to believe it. And then the calls start from old Lakers players, from other NBA stars, and now Shaq thinks something else. I lost two grandmothers. I lost my sister. Now I lost a little brother. He thinks about the past, about the fights, about when Kobe arrives at the Lakers, 18-year-old kid, straight out of high school, and is flash. 
I'm not going to be babysitting. That's what Shaq tells him back then. He gives him a nickname, Showboat. He remembers the time he tells Kobe there's no I in the word team and how Kobe says, yeah, sure, but there is the word me. He remembers the distance between them, how Kobe never goes out for dinner with the team when they're on the road, how he doesn't invite any of his teammates to his wedding, how he doesn't go to Shaq's, even though he's asked. All that attitude, that's Kobe. But he thinks too about seeing him in the gym at midnight when the rest of the team get in from dinner. Kobe getting up at six in the morning so he can do another workout and then realizing he could do more, so getting up at 4 a.m. instead. Three workouts a day, 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. That's Kobe too. And so's the ruthlessness. When the rows get so bad, the Lakers have to choose between their two superstars and they re-sign Kobe and trade Shaq to Miami. And he's glad, Shaq, as he sits on the floor of his gym in Florida, that they make up, that the rows tail off as they grow, that Kobe texts Sharif, even if he will never hear back. Now, it's not just text messages between friends. Now it's breaking news stories on the TV channels. It's pictures of Kobe's smiling face, TV footage of the hillside and the wreckage. It's in LA, but it's across America too. And it's in Colorado where a woman with no name listens and remembers. This is how her story begins. She works on the front desk of a spa resort. 19 years old, just starting out. And Kobe Bryant arrives, 24 years old, famous if you're into basketball, on TV ads, drinking Sprite and eating McDonald's. He invites her to his room. She gives him a tour of the resort. They go back to his room. They kiss. This is where the story splits. The woman says she tries to leave. She tells detectives that Colby gropes her, that he puts his hands round her neck. She says he lifts her skirt and pushes her over a chair and sexually assaults her. This is what Colby says. We had sex, but it was consensual. He is charged by police. Court documents show the woman's underwear and Colby's shirt have blood on them. Colby tells the police something else. I did not explicitly ask for consent. His lawyer questions the woman's reputation, her character. She gets hate mail and death threats. A week before the trial is meant to start, she decides she no longer wants to testify. Colby puts out a statement. This is what he says. Although I truly believe this encounter between us was consensual, I recognize now that she did not and does not view this incident the same way I did. The woman brings a civil case. The LA Times say it's settled for more than two and a half million dollars. The McDonald's ads, the Sprite ones, they've gone. But the echoes live on, and the questions. Because on that Sunday, as she watches the news, the woman with no name remembers. 
So the eulogies are being written and the film plays out. Clips on the news bulletins of Kobe with his dad, another basketball star, of him signing for the Lakers, holding a yellow vest at his first all-star game, playing for Team USA at the Beijing Olympics, scoring 81 points in a single game, meeting President Obama, lifting the NBA trophy with Shaq. And in Eugene, up in Oregon, in the rain, a woman called Sabrina Ionescu cannot take any of it in. Ionescu is the star player of the university basketball team. They think she'll be the number one pick for the women's NBA when she's done with college. And it's Kobe who helped her get there. Kobe who acts as her mentor, who gets her to help 13-year-old Gianna with her game. Kobe coaches his daughter's team. He's arguing for better pay for female players. The helicopter that morning is taking him and Gianna to one of her tournaments. That's why the others are on board. Two other girls, a mum, a dad. Because maybe he's changing. The sport part of your life, that's easy when you've got his talent. Training obsessively, playing harder, winning, always winning. It's instinct and it's obvious. It's the natural part of being a natural. It's what follows that's tougher your body letting you down, your special gift no longer important. You're born with an ability to see patterns and plays before anyone else. And suddenly, you can't answer the biggest question of all. What happens next? But maybe Kobe's getting that right. There's the coaching, the books he does for kids. Most of the main characters are strong women. Three quarters of the staff at his own company are women. So Ionescu stares out at the rain and asks questions she can't answer. How could nine people be gone just like that? How could we be living in a world without Kobe Bryant? How could I have lost my friend? And she carries on texting Kobe even though there can be no answer. She texts, I miss you. She texts, may you rest in peace, my dear friend. She texts and she thinks, it still feels like he's there on the other end. She finds herself still waiting. The news is out and the news is everywhere. You don't forget the day when a man like Colby Bryant dies. Where you were, when you heard. Tiger Woods is 120 miles down the coast from LA, playing a big tournament in San Diego. He can't understand why he keeps hearing the crowd whispering about his friend, Colby. Is he here? Is he watching? And then his caddy tells him, as they walk off the 18th green, and he's stopped by a TV crew and he tells them he feels an unbelievable sadness. This is happening all over. Sports stars as big as Colby, bigger sometimes, and they're all touched by the vibrations and they all have to speak. Mike Tyson, heavyweight champion, troubled man. He says he's messed up, more messed up. I mourn with the world. In Barcelona, Lionel Messi posts a photo of him and Kobe together 
he calls him a genius. In Turin, in Italy, Cristiano Ronaldo says he's heartbroken. Neymar, the other great footballer of his time, is playing for Paris Saint-Germain. When he scores a goal, he doesn't celebrate. He holds up two fingers on one hand and four on the other. That's Kobe's Lakers shirt number. 24. There's someone else too. Someone even bigger. A player none of them can touch. Michael Jordan is 57 now. He's in his huge house. The one with the basketball court, the cigar room, the one with all those NBA championship rings on display. Jordan knows about loss. He was 33 when his dad was shot and killed as he slept in his car. Now it's the kid he calls his brother. And Jordan is a hard man, pushed himself through stuff other people can't, and he stops. And he can't move. Because it's always MJ and Kobe from the start, the comparisons, the overlap in their careers, like the passing of the flame from the greatest to the next. Most people just listen to Jordan. He holds you like that, he dominates, it's his room. Some players, they call him Black Jesus. Kobe? Kobe asks questions. Whenever the Lakers play Jordan's Chicago Bulls, Kobe doesn't get on the team bus after games. He waits in the tunnel, waiting for Jordan. His teammates are on the bus. He doesn't care. Jordan is always the last man out. He likes to shower, stretch, smoke a cigar. The dressing room, that's his space. But Kobe waits and Kobe asks questions. So Jordan sits in his house and remembers how all those questions are a nuisance like having a nosy kid go through your cupboards, your shoes. How Kobe wants to know about basketball, about Phil Jackson's coaching, about the footwork and moves. How he goes away, works on it, gets it right and comes back for more. How Kobe texts at half 11 at night, at two in the morning, three in the morning. To start with, Jordan feels it as aggravation, but Kobe's not intimidated and Jordan starts to love it. The passion, the obsession. It's him reborn in another kid. There's the other stuff too. Jordan, the player, would do almost anything to win. He was different playing basketball, a superhero. And Kobe borrows that too. He's watching Kill Bill, the Tarantino film, and he sees the part where Michael Madsen gets bitten by a snake the Black Mamba. He loves it, the speed of it, how it bites, what it does. And he takes that and he becomes it on court. A different person, ruthless, no emotion. The superhero in touch with his own darkness. On this Sunday, Jordan thinks about all that. About a photo of the two of them from Kobe's second season in the NBA. 
Jordan in his red Chicago Bulls vest, perfectly balanced, like always. Kobe's in the Lakers yellow, reaching forward to steal the ball away, eager, off balance. So Jordan's in control and he can spin away and shoot when he wants. It doesn't happen again, that mistake. That's the thing with Kobe. He watches back. He doesn't just see what happened. He sees what should have happened. So Jordan starts thinking about what he's going to say to the world. The eulogy he'll have to write. He starts putting things down, notes, about how close they were, about how much he loves talking about Kobe, the pride he takes in what the two of them have, the pride he took. Here's a couple of things he'll say when the memorial service comes around and he walks up to the lectern and looks out. I wanted to be the best big brother I could be. Here's another. When Kobe Bryant died, a piece of me died. You don't see Michael Jordan cry, not often, when he won his first NBA title at his dad's funeral. On the day Kobe dies, Michael Jordan cries again. It is Sunday evening. The day it all came together. The last play of Kobe Bryant. And this is who's marking it now. Barack Obama. Talking about a legend on the court. About how Kobe was starting a second act just as important. The Grammy Awards are meant to be taking place at the Staples Centre. Where the Lakers play. Where Kobe used to play. It's his image that's beamed onto the giant screens around the arena. It's him the film stars and hip-hop stars are talking about. Kanye West says, Kobe, we love you, brother. Taylor Swift says, my heart is in pieces. Leonardo DiCaprio grew up in this town. He often sits front row at Lakers games. He says, LA will never be the same again. And as that's happening, in a big house on the coast, 40 miles south, There is Vanessa Lane Bryant, his wife, his widow. It's a day that started grey. Low pressure dragging in, cool ocean air and clouds with it. It's a day that started early, because Kobe days always do. He has this thing in his head. He can't sacrifice his game and he can't sacrifice his family so he'll sacrifice sleep. He's up before all the others, into his Range Rover, driving the five miles to the local Catholic church. The first mass is at 7 a.m., but he's done by then. He's leaving. The priest sees him, says hello, sees a drop of holy water on his forehead, guesses he's been praying. This is his day, but it's also Diana's. Some people, they call her Mamba Sita. The tournament is at a building called the Mamba Academy. Her side is called Team Mamba. 
So she's going with her dad and a couple of friends and their parents, like they went in their helicopter the day before, because they always go in the helicopter. Less time on the roads, more time with the family, with the game. It's not a big goodbye that morning. It's not meant to be a goodbye. Vanessa doesn't look at the low clouds and worry. This has been them since they met 21 years before. She's busy. Natalia might be 17 years old, but Bianca's three. Capri's only seven months old. This is Kobe and Vanessa. Never easy because they split at one point and file for divorce. But they make it work. And then the second act. The life after basketball. The big question. What next? Here's the answer. It's still basketball. And family. It's all of it together. And it's instinct and it's obvious. Gianna asking questions like Kobe asked Michael. Gianna training obsessively, working on left hand and right. The moves and the attitude. The passion and the love. And then the text messages begin and the phone calls. The last play. And so this Sunday, Vanessa doesn't say anything at all. It's all people talking to her. The words won't come. Not until the memorial service. And then she'll talk of devastation, about an amazing father and a wonderful daughter, an amazing sister. She'll say, I wish they were here with us forever. They were our beautiful blessings and it's impossible to imagine life without them. There's something else that happens on this Sunday. The day it all comes together. It's the poem that Colby wrote before his retirement. The one that becomes a short film. The one that wins him an Oscar. It's on YouTube, so it's on everyone's phone. It's on the TV and it's on the radio. This is the film that keeps playing. It starts with an animation, line drawings, taking shape, taking on life. Kobe in the jersey with 24 on the back, driving to the hoop, dunking the ball, the backboard shaking, vibrations traveling. And then the crowd noise fades. And it's just Kobe, as a kid, looking up, looking forward. You hear his voice, deep, intimate. Dear basketball, and he tells you, we both know, no matter what I do next, I'll always be that kid with the rolled up socks, garbage can in the corner, five seconds on the clock, ball in my hands. You think about that, about where you were when you heard, what you felt when you realized it was true. What you thought about when you thought about him. 
That's the story of Kobe Bryant. It was written by Tom Fordyce and performed by me, Elroy Spoonface Powell's Spoon the Voice Guy. Our editor was Steve Jones. The music we use is from our partners at BMG Production Music. For research, we use the Mamba Mentality by Kobe Bryant, as well as the archives of the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, the Players' Tribune, and the Washington Post. Our next episode is about Justin Fashionu, and sadly, there are many more. Hit subscribe, and you'll get a new episode every Monday. Thanks for listening. Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle or padel as it's called in North America. This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!